The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Back, as always, with Paul Zeiss, our Post-Gazette Sports columnist for our weekly Zeiss is Right video. Paul, how are you? I'm doing well today, uh, Adam. How are you doing? We've had some unseasonably warm weather the last few days, so uh, I've gotten to, uh, out to hit the golf ball a little bit. That's been nice, but uh, yeah, so I'm in a good mood. That's good. That's good. I'm I'm excited. I'm going to Penn State, Ohio State this week in Columbus. So that'll be a fun trip for me. I don't get it. I don't get out of the office nearly as much as you guys do. So this will be a nice uh, little little trip for me. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but we got a lot of Steelers talk before we get to Penn State and Ohio State, and we will talk about that big game later on. But we got some Steelers NFL trade deadline talk to get into. A lot of questions for Jerry Dulac on his weekly chat this week. So I want to get Paul's take on some different trade deadline topics as it relates to the Steelers. Before we do that, just a quick reminder, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no one, there's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560. To get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with fellow windows and doors of Pittsburgh, um, Paul. Yeah, there were like I said at the top here, there were a lot of questions for Jerry Dulek about what moves the, the Steelers can make before that October thirty first Halloween trade deadline. Um, a lot of people talking about Mason Cole, which I'll get into in a little bit. Um, some different positions, different possibilities people brought up. I'll ask the top line question first because Jerry seemed pretty skeptical that there will be any moves of significance, at least in terms of impacting the starting lineup in any, you know, quick fashion. Um, what's your read? Do you think that they could make a move here that that is, is noteworthy and gets people's attention? I would be very surprised because I don't know what pieces they actually have to offer, maybe other than some a few draft picks, which I don't know that they're going to go in that direction. Um, I could see them maybe making a, a minor deal here or there. Uh, even that, I think, is going to be a stretch. It's hard to – it's really hard to trade. Uh, in the NFL for a lot of reasons during the season. I know that we see some big blockbuster trades you know, at the at the draft and in the offseason, but uh, because of the salary cap and because of a, a number of other uh, issues that you know you have in football that really you don't have in these other sports, it can be difficult to make uh, trade deadline deals. And I just don't see I just don't see really a, a, a player that is obvious that, hey, this person could be dangled out there as a part of a package. I just don't see that there's that guy really available. So um, 
I kind of agree with Jerry that I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot. I think people that are hoping there's going to be some big deal that's going to be made, I think they're going to be very disappointed because I don't see a whole lot uh, that that is going to happen or could even or, or could happen. We have seen the Steelers though be aggressive at the trade deadline recently. Obviously, the Chase Claypool trade last season is the thing that, that I think a lot of Steelers fans would love to see. Is there anyone on this roster, Paul, that you look at and say, "Hey, maybe they can fool someone like they did with Chase Claypool. Maybe they can flip someone for a draft pick." Um, honestly, the only guy I came up with on on this in this group was Najee Harris um, as as a former top draft pick. hasn't quite lived up to it, but someone you know, who needs a running back might be willing to, to give you something for him. And you still have Jalen Warren on your roster. You still have Anthony McFarland, who apparently people like a lot because they've kept him around for as long as they have. Um, do, do you look at Najee Harris as a candidate or is there anyone else that, that you say, hey, maybe the Steelers can find one. It only takes one team. Maybe they can find one team to, to snooker a draft pick out of. Well, I mean, I really don't. I mean, I don't know that I see anybody. I mean, what Najee Harris it's been a fun topic and I've heard the talk shows talk about it and people throw it out there. Hey, you can trade him and this and that and everything. I don't see any chance that Mike Tomlin is going to trade Najee Harris. I mean, it's pretty clear that they feel a lot differently about Najee Harris than many people that are from the outside looking in feel about Najee Harris. And so um, clearly if you could trade him and get something for him, I'm sure uh, because you do have some other guys, it would make a little bit of sense, but I just don't see that happening because Najee Harris is is one of those players that they seem to really overvalue uh, and like, you know, a lot more than most of the people on the outside. I, I mean, I, I mean, here's the deal: if a team comes along, the Colts, for instance. Who just, you know, their, their starting quarterback is out now for the year. He's got to have surgery. If they were to offer you like a fourth round pick for Mitch Trubisky, I probably would take it. You know, that's a, that's the kind of deal that I could see maybe happening where we are, you know, you have Mason Rudolph. So, you know, you already have your backup and, you know, your backup to your backup is probably just as good as the other two in many ways. So, you could trade maybe Mitch Trubisky for something from somebody. The only problem with that is um, I don't know that his value is what it was, you know, uh, since he lost his job. Uh, you know, if you remember prior to him starting the first game for the Steelers last year, you know, there were people talking about how, you know, being on the Steelers was going to resurrect this guy's career, yada, yada, yada. Different system, different coaching, all this other stuff. The Bears, it was the problem with the Bears and not him, right? We heard all that. Uh, a year with Brian DeBall or whatever, you know, turned him in Buffalo, turned him into something that he's not. So there was probably more value in many ways for Mitch Trubisky last year than there is this year. So I don't know what you could get for him, but if a team needs a quarterback, you know, they might be able to overpay, might, might be willing to overpay a little bit to make sure that they can secure a guy who might be able to start games for them, you know, down the stretch or whatever. So I would say basically uh, that's the kind of deal maybe I could see happening. Other than that, I just don't see many other candidates uh, on, this, on this roster that they're going to, you know, talk about taking or, or talk about trading. 
Yeah, I, I can see that. I just don't think there is a Chase Claypool, unfortunately. Um, but but you never know. Like I said, it only takes one team. I think with Najee, you know, we've we've seen some of these Alabama running backs change change teams and have success um, in recent years. Maybe maybe a team says, "Hey, we we think he has a package that we've seen work in the NFL in different ways." Maybe they'll overvalue that a little bit, give you a pick. But I think that's really the only one that comes to mind for me um, immediately. Paul, I mentioned Mason Cole at the top of the show. Lots of questions about him. Lots of questions about center. Uh, he's given up a ton of pressures this season. Has a pretty low pro football focus grade. Jerry seems reasonably confident, though, that the Steelers are not going to do better than Mason Cole, certainly in the middle of the season. In free agency, maybe you can make a move. Maybe you can draft a center now that you've addressed some other positions of needs. Um, but for this season, it seemed like Jerry was skeptical do you think that that, that could, a move could be made there, or do you think that the best move that they could make is internally uh, with someone like James Daniels or Nate Herbert? Well, I was going to say one of the interesting things that could happen is that you see if Chooks Okorafor or Dan Moore can move to guard and play that position and move somebody like Daniel to, to center. I mean, I think the only chance you have of, like, uh, uh, really trying to get better is internally, as you said, because I, it's just hard to trade for a center. I mean, finding a center that's going to be an upgrade is difficult at this stage of the, of, of the game. Um, you know, maybe they could move James Daniel over. I know he's been, a, you know, he's, he's snapped a little bit in his, his career. Um, Herbig is what he is. But if Mason Cole continues to play the way he's played, I mean, you got to give somebody else a shot at, at, at being the starting center. So you would hope that uh, he just starts to get a little bit better and get, at least gets back to the point where he's serviceable and and not getting, uh, you know, a run right past. I mean, some of those videos, uh, those cut-ups, it's like he's not even there. These guys are just running right past him. Um, but I think that you have to just – Either hope that he gets better, or maybe you toy around with. Now you got Broderick Jones in the mix. You toy around with. Hey, maybe Daniel Moore, you know, could could move to guard and be a guard, and then we can move Daniels or you know Chooks or whatever. I mean, you you have to be open to a whole lot of different things if you're going to try and get it better. Especially, you got to get creative from the standpoint of it's really important to understand that, um, you know, you don't really have a lot of flexibility from the outside. So well, however you can make it work on the inside, I always hear, uh, I always hear coaches talk about, well, we've got to get the five best linemen on the field. Well, you might need to, you know, you might need to shuffle the deck a little bit to see if you can figure out who the, you know, what the best combination of five is. If for instance, uh, um, uh, if uh, Mason Cole doesn't get better. Yeah, Paul, I, I think that'll be interesting to watch play out. I think that's probably the best option for them is to, to kind of shuffle what they already have. They brought some of these guys in with that positional flexibility. So, you know, you'd like to see them use it if, if Mason Cole continues to struggle. Um, Paul, a, another thing you and I talk about every week on this podcast is the receiving core. Uh, <laughs> Julio Jones this week finally signed um, with a new team. Did, did, where'd he go? He went to the Eagles. Yeah. 
So that's a good team that picked up Julio Jones. The, the Steelers opted not to. Do you think that signals that we're definitely not going to see anything at the significant at the receiver spot? Maybe they juggle juggle a Gunnar Olszewski for another Gunnar Olszewski, you know, in, 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 in like the bottom right. of the roster. But we're not going to see anyone come in here and shake up this receiving core in a meaningful way, I don't think. Do you? No, your top four are going to be, for better or worse, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Calvin Austin, and, and Allen Robinson. Those are going to be your top four for better or worse the rest of the way. If there's an injury, they'll go to the scrap heap and find a guy that's, you know, that's not currently in the league or whatever, pick them up for a few a few weeks or whatever they need to fill in, you know, to sort of backfill their depth. But it's very clear to me from day one, they have not felt like they need to fix or upgrade or help their receiving core at all. So why would they start now? That's the question you have to ask. Why start now? Yeah, I, I mean, to me, when when you when you see a guy like Julio Jones sign, and listen, he's not he's not the same receiver he once was. But if you're going to try to shake things up, he's the type of guy you go get. They made a conscious choice for six weeks into the regular season, plus the whole offseason, not to do that. So, and I think that's the theme, Paul, of this this whole season with the Steelers so far is. They've expressed nothing but confidence in the guys that they signed, um, despite in some cases evidence to the contrary. So why would they, why would they go outside for a receiver when they don't want to even change their starting lineup with the guys they have in the locker room? I, you know, it's, it's yeah. hard to imagine. Even though I think you and I agree that they should have done more work there and and could still do more work there. I just don't think that they will. Paul, another thing that was brought up on on Jerry Dulac's chat was. Could the Steelers try to trade Cam Hayward, the defensive captain? Um, he's, you know, an older guy coming to the end of his um, latest contract. Maybe, you know, you've, you've, you've developed some depth with Keanu Benton, uh, Larry Ogunjobi. That defensive line is looking better than it has in recent years. You've, you've looked okay without him. It hasn't been like losing T.J. Watt was last year. You've, you've kind of not missed him as much. Is he someone that you could see them moving on from? I say no. I think he's Mr. Steeler. I think he's one of the few guys that really brings leadership in that locker room in a very clear way. And if you believe you have any shot to do anything this year, you've got to have that guy on the roster. I think trading him would be a white flag on the season. Um, but what say you on that? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Well, I would agree with that, but I think the other part of it is going back to what I said before, because of the salary cap and things of the such, it'd be really difficult to trade him in that contract. You know, you'd have to try and make it work in a way that I don't know that you could make it work. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, what you have is a guy who's probably going to be out for a few more weeks or whatever it is. In many ways, you are in a situation where it's almost like you're going to be trading for Cam Hayward. You know, when he comes back, say in week, you know, 11 or 12 or whenever he comes back, now all of a sudden you're adding a superstar to your team. And uh, to your point, you've built a lot of depth. I mean, you've, these other guys have all had to play. 
So now um, I, I think it would make almost zero sense, especially, Adam, if this team's going to do anything and they're going to win in the playoffs and they're going to do anything at all, they need their defense to be quote-unquote elite. You're not going to trade an elite defender, you know, one of the three that you have, maybe four if you count Alex Highsmith. I'm not ready. I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready to put him in that category, but he's really good right now. You got Alex Highsmith. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, you had Cam Hayward. Now all of a sudden you've got elite players basically at every level of your of your team, um, of your, of your defense. So I would hate that. I also, like you said, think that being Mr. Steeler, his leadership, everything that comes around the package with Cam Hayward, um, I don't think the Steelers would trade him. I don't think they should trade him. I don't even think they'd think about trading him. Uh, just because of everything he brings to the table and also because it wouldn't be easy to trade him with his contract. Paul, the hottest topic of the week in Steelers land has been the rookies continuing to to stay lower on the depth chart. Broderick Jones possibly going to get um, repassed by the healthy Dan Moore, stay at that tap or not, not play this week at that tackle squad. Joey Porter Jr. listed below Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson on the depth chart despite a lot of faith by a lot of people that he's he's shown enough to be a starter. Um, we, we've done several videos on this already this week, but I want to get your take on on what the heck's going on here and when are these guys going to get their shot in a, in a meaningful way. I will say this. Uh, I believe that – now, again, it's, it's Wednesday. Uh, yesterday was the first day of practices, right, uh, for the week. I, I, think Bro- I think Broderick Jones is going to play. I do. Uh, I know that Dan Moore took reps with the first team and all the other stuff, but at the end of the day, I, I kind of feel like uh, if you listen to Mike Tomlin on Tuesday, he was very noncommittal about Dan Moore. Uh, didn't definitively say it's, it's Dan Moore's job. I think they'll kind of you know look over the film and all that other stuff, and 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 I, maybe I'm an idealist, but I think Broderick Jones will probably play this week. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. He continues to get more snaps. If they're saying that the reason that he's not playing a lot is because, you know, he's tackling, he's missing some tackles, he's missing some assignments, you know, whatever, I would say a guy like him, he's going to learn on the job anyway. So even if he's going to make some mistakes, how is that any different than Levi Wallace and, and Patrick Peterson getting torched you know, and getting peak, having, having guys run right past them and not being able to cover and, and all that other stuff. I mean, you know, to me, you've got a lot of the Broderick Jones thing. I can go either way on, you know, I don't think Dan Moore was as terrible as some people think he is, um, you know, but the Joey Porter Jr. thing makes zero sense to me. I mean, he's your future corner. He's a young guy. The only way he gets better is by playing. The two guys you have playing ahead of him, both have not been good. I mean, what are we talking about here? You know, uh, okay, misses some tackles. Well, guess what? Put him out there. Let's work on tackling and, uh, and, and see what he can do. He seems like a competitive kid. He seems like he's got good pedigree. He's going to figure it out. Just give him more opportunity. So, I think uh, I think they're two a little little different circumstances uh, because 
I can be swayed about the Dan Moore, Broderick Jones thing. I would prefer them just play Jones and let him be the guy for the rest of the year and hopefully for the next 10 years. But I can be swayed a little bit that, you know, maybe he's not quite ready. But Joey Porter Jr. should be playing and starting and playing lots of snaps. Well, and, you know, one of the reasons you traded for him, Paul, or not traded for him, drafted him, was that he was so good in coverage at Penn State the teams just flat out didn't throw to him. And the, the ball wasn't on his side of the field. Right. I, I don't know if we're going to see him be that guy immediately in the NFL. It's a big jump. But hopefully he's not tackling that much ball. Like, that's that's why you went out and got this guy, to, to be a, a <laughs> solid guy in coverage and keep the ball away from his side of the field. So, yeah, I, I just I, I struggle to care about the tackling when the coverage itself, that's what he's there to do, right. um, is what needs help. You know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of how I look at that. Paul, we're going to get into some Pirates talk. We're going to get into – we're going to talk about all the teams in town here by the end of this episode. A couple quick hits, so everyone stay tuned for that. I want to thank a couple more of our sponsor, sponsors, though. Goldberg, Persky, and White, if you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky, and White. For over 40 years, their firm has represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX or visit gpwlaw.com for a free consultation. Also want to thank Propel Schools. Propel's 13 public charter schools in Allegheny County build a solid academic foundation for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level during your child's kindergarten through 12th grade education journey. Give your children the quality education they deserve. Learn more and apply at Propel Schools by visiting propelschools.org. Paul, watching the baseball playoffs this week, particularly this Philly series, from the jump every time, they're just mashing. (laughs) It's like every five seconds I look up, um, we got a couple of TVs in the basement here, me and my fiance, and – you know, I'll have the Phillies game over here while we're watching something else. Every time I look up, there's someone trotting around the bases. It feels like I'm watching a different sport than I watched all season with the Pirates. And and it is, I think it's one thing for you and I to sit here and talk about, can the Steelers scrap, or excuse me, the Pirates scrap together 84 wins next year or in the next couple of years, slip into the Diamondbacks or into the playoffs like the Diamondbacks did. Okay, I can see that. It is very hard for me to imagine them winning when this is what the game looks like when it gets to the postseason and, and it's a short series and everyone's just swinging for the fences because that's what makes the big difference. Well, and the Rangers, you know, the Texas Rangers have been hitting the hell out of the ball too. I mean, I, I, I would love to see the Rangers against the Phillies. That You know, we could see, you know, like it, it could become like beer league softball, uh, you know, with some of the, the scores of those games. Uh, the thing about the Phillies, Adam, is, you know, I, I, I one of the things I did not want to uh, hear and buy into any of the nonsense about we need to change the playoff format and it's so bad and blah, blah, blah. The teams that win a lot and have to sit out a week, they get rusty and all this other stuff. You want to know why the Phillies keep winning is because they're built for small, for short series, right? Yeah. They've got really yeah. good. They got really good top of the line pitching, right? And they can hit home runs. And they've got guys up and down the lineup that can hit home runs. So even if you're in a series where the other team, you know, it, it, and theoretically in the playoffs, you're rolling against the best pitchers, you know, you're seeing the best pitchers, the other teams, even if the guy's dealing for three or four innings, the Phillies are a couple of uh, swings of the bat away from a five-run inning. You know what I mean? That's how you have, that, that, that's how the game is played and in the postseason, I think. One of the things is some of the teams that lost, like the Orioles, for instance, they weren't built for a short series. They're built for 162 games. <laughs> you have to be able to uh, score runs quickly. 
in the in Major League Baseball because you're facing good pitchers. You might only have two innings out of nine where you really have an opportunity to score. And if you've got guys that can change the game up and down the lineup, and you got guys, you know, a guy like Bryce Harper gets a little bit hot, all of a sudden, you're right. It's a different kind of game. That's the biggest thing the Pirates are missing. You know, I mean, well, they also don't have like the two really good start, you know, frontline pitchers like the Phillies do. But if you look at the Phillies, you know, the pitchers three, four, and five were just kind of okay, right? But their top two guys were able to keep them, you know, you know, anytime they had losing streaks, one of their top two guys was able to really kind of, uh, you know, get them rolling on the, on, on the, in the other direction. And, you know, they, they hit well enough that they were able to overcome some nights where their pitchers didn't do it well. But the Pirates don't have either of those two elements. They don't have two top-of-the-line, front-line kind of, you know, starters. Uh, and they don't have guys up and down the lineup that hit home runs. They, you know, we talked about it, was it last week? A- after we talked about the Pirates lineup, I went and looked. Jack Sawinski is number one on the Pirates in OPS, right? He's 54th or 55th in the league. Like, you know, and, 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 and Reynolds and Hayes, I think were in the top 80, but still you're not, you're not, that's certainly not built for a small series. If we're talking about keep Brian Hayes as the (laughs) the third guy in the power lineup for the pirates, like you're, you're screwed. I'm sorry. Like he's done that. He did the things this year that I think you wanted to see, but if he's, if he's the third power hitter, yeah, it's, it's getting bleak when when the Phillies can trot out a guy like Kyle Schwarber who looks like. Do you remember when they used to put those like those softball home run derbies on like Fox Sports Net late yeah. at night? Yeah, that's what Kyle Schwarber looks like, and the Pirates don't have anyone like that. Right, that's the thing. Kyle Schwarber is a guy, you know, and and I think they they you know I've seen where they've had him leading off, you know, and the next thing you know it's one nothing, one batter into the game. <laughs> They don't have a guy like that. Obviously, they don't have a guy like Bryce Harper. There's only a few of them on the planet. You know what I mean? But uh, uh, what's his name? Trey Turner? Is that his name? The guy? I mean, you know, the Dodgers gave up on him, right? The Dodgers gave up on him. They saw the value in what he does, right, and decided to bring him in. They've got a lineup that really uh, there's there's guys up and down the lineup that you're one literally one swing of the bat away. From being down two nothing or you know one nothing or three nothing, depending on how many people are on base, um, they're fun to watch right now. Uh, but to your point, it's like watching a different sport than what we've watched with the Pirates. I mean, I believe if the Pirates went out and got a first baseman, the Pirates went out and got two starting pitchers, and you know someone between Oviedo, Ortiz, Skeens. Uh, you know, uh, Contreras, one or two of those guys, you know, materialize and you've got Mitch Keller still, you know, all of a sudden I could see a scenario where the pirates, you know, start pushing 80, 81, 84, you know, game, uh, wins, but not much more than that because I just don't think they have enough scary hitters in their lineup and scary to me, isn't a guy that hits three twenty. Scary is a guy that could hit 260, but might hit 30, 35 home runs. That's scary. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a, a, a distinct possibility here that the, the Pirates are, are going to be built. They're going to be one of those teams that's built for the 162 and not for the playoffs. Um, 
you know, and, and I think that'll be unfortunate and let the air out of the balloon if they do manage to get people excited next year or the year after. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just not seeing, I'm not seeing that modern template. I think about that Dodgers uh, Astros world series a couple years ago too, where they just mashed. Um, yeah. It's just, it's kind of, it's kind of becoming like hockey, Paul, where like, you know, the Stanley cup playoffs are different than the regular season and you've got to be good at that second season. Um, people, people just got to wake up that that's the way baseball is going to be. They're going to, they're going to be different things. And, 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 you know, even the NBA is like that a little bit, Paul, where, um, guys play, guys play defense in the NBA playoffs <laughs> when they don't during the regular season. So, um, we'll see how that goes. Paul, the big game in town this week, or, you know, at least in, among our local teams is Penn state traveling to Ohio state. Um, this is, it's a huge game. I, I think for Penn state, I think, yeah, you have Michigan at home take your chances in that one. But Ohio State has looked like a wounded animal at point, points in the last year. If you're Penn State and you're going to take that next step, if you're going to make your mark on this 14 playoff age, I think this is the, the game that you need to win, that, that you're built to win. Um, and I, I picked them on our Penn State podcast the other day. I said 21-17. I think the defense gets it done against an Ohio State offense that hasn't quite found its way. What say you, Paul? I agree. I absolutely agree. If James Franklin wants to take the next step with his program, this is a must-win game. And it's a must-win game because I think Penn State's better. You know, there have been a number of years where Ohio State was just better or Ohio State had a better quarterback, you know, or Ohio's, Ohio State's defense is really good, but Penn State's offense is much better than Ohio State's offense. From what I've watched, at least, I think I think Ohio State's quarterback is just kind of eh. I don't think he's a star. And, you know, I think Penn State's quarterback is kind of a star. Uh, so there, there's no excuses. I know it's on the road. There's no excuses this year. They have got to beat Penn, Ohio State. You tell me they lose to Michigan. Okay, you know, I, I, I think that they can can beat Michigan. I think they're just as good as Michigan. But losing to Michigan is one thing. Losing this game to Ohio State, who I don't think is nearly as good as they've been in the, in the past. I don't think their quarterback's great. I just feel like Penn's, this is a game that Penn State needs to go out and win, and, and they should win. If they do... Then all of a sudden you can start talking about playoffs and the Big Ten championship and all the other thing, all the other things <clears throat> that come with being an elite program. Uh, but you know James Franklin's talking all the time about being elite, and you know that's what he's striving for, and this and that and everything. Well, here's one on a platter for you: go win it. Yeah, I, I think it's just it's. You, I, I think it's important too, Paul, to to kind of assert yourself as one of those top four teams going into this twelve team playoff year because, um, you, you know, it's, it's still there's still going to be value in, in winning one of those four buys, right? You're still right. going to want to be one of those top four teams. You're not going to want to play in those first round playoff games, home because odds are you're going to be playing a really good team in a coin flip type of game just to get into the big games that 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 you've been wanting to be in for all these years. So. Um, I, I think it's important to leave that mark and say we got into the 14 playoff once. We belong in that group of elite programs that were able to do it in that four-team era over this past decade. Um, so I, I think that's a really important thing too. Paul Pitt picked up their win over Louisville. You and I talked last week. It was a must-win if they're going to make a bowl game. Um, some of the metrics really don't see a big difference between Christian Veyer, Veyu, whichever you prefer, and Phil Jerkovic, uh, but he got the job done. Did you see enough last week to believe that this team can make a second half run um, and, and is, is still a good enough team that maybe just for whatever reason missed missed some things in the first half of the season? No, I don't. I I, I got to see more, Adam. 
here's the thing. Okay, Christian Veyer or Veyu or whatever his name is, didn't even complete half of his passes. He had the nice drop down and drop in the bucket on a deep pass that we didn't see from Phil Dracovic, the you know, first four or five. Okay, fine. But at the end of the day, if Louisville, Louisville doesn't throw a pick six, Pitt probably loses. You know, Pitt won the turnover battle three to nothing, and that was a huge part of it. And you give them credit for that. But Louisville outgained them by like 240 yards. And, and Pitt only had like 12 or 13 first downs. It's not like they went up and down the field and scored. It's not like they, you know, did anything really all that spectacular. They took advantage of a bunch of Louisville mistakes is what they did. You know, going for it on fourth and stupid things. And then the, the, the pick six, you know, it went 85 yards the other way. I mean, they just took advantage of Louisville mistakes. We kind of thought that was going to happen, didn't we? We figured Louisville, you know what? They played basically a perfect game against Notre Dame. They were going to be on an all-time high right again. And, you know, the record of teams the week after they beat Notre Dame is is, is really abysmal. Uh, and I think part of it is just the emotional high. It's hard to get back up like that. I'll be more impressed, even though Wake Forest stinks, I'll be more impressed if Pitt goes down to Wake Forest and wins in a workmanlike fashion. And what I mean by that is they get a lead, they control the game, they finish the game, right? That'll be more impressive to me because wouldn't it just be the most Pitt thing ever after beating Louisville to go and lose to, to Wake Forest? Yeah, and then to go beat one of these other ranked teams by the end of the season, still not make a bowl game. That would be the most pit thing ever. <laughs> um, Paul, I want to get your quick thoughts on the Penguins. That third period the other night against Calgary was almost cathartic, the way they just kind of kicked some butt um, and, and had a third period that we haven't seen this team have a whole lot over the past year. Um, and then they kind of turn in a stinker on Wednesday in Detroit. Um, so basically they've had two, I think, really impressive games that kind of show what they can do and, and two games that remind you why they're a 500-ish team or, and why they missed the playoffs last year. Which, which one do you think is the real Penguins or, or is that inconsistency what they are? I think they're going to be a, a somewhat inconsistent all year. I think one of the things you cannot, you cannot hide, Adam, is their lack of speed. They're the ones that actually invented the speed game in many ways, right? A few, five, six, eight years ago, whatever it was when they won their two Stanley Cups. And guess what? The rest of the league got younger and faster. So even though the Penguins have some young players and they've got some guys that can skate a little bit, at the end of the day, you know, you watch Detroit. I don't know if you watched the game against Detroit. What team was faster in your mind? Detroit. It was easy to see. I mean, it really was. Well, you got these teams with these younger players. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the, the the Penguins are still built around, you know, three, well, now four 30-somethings, right? Uh, uh, Father Time is undefeated in that respect. So I think they're, they're, they've got some dynamic skill still. They're going to have moments where they look like they're really, really good. They'll have stretches where they play really, really well and win a bunch of games. But they're going to have these games, too, where it just catches up to them. And so uh, the other part of it is their third and fourth line really has produced nothing for them, and they were supposed to make that better, uh, but they haven't done that. And, and the other night it was amazing that um, 
they had basically uh, 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 their, their 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 bottom defensive pairing. They've got to redo that too because that that group hasn't hasn't played well either. So I mean, they've got some issues that they need to to, to take care of. But overall, with the skill they have, you know, their coach is still one of the best in the NHL. The way they play, they're going to win a lot of games and make the playoffs. But I just feel like it's going to be the same song, same song and dance we've seen the last few years, which is they get into the playoffs and they're not going to be able to go very far because the teams that are going to be there are all going to be probably faster and their stars are probably going to be younger. Yeah, and I think I think you can hide the lack of speed with the skill that you have on those top two lines, Paul. But that that third and fourth line still don't look like anything to me. And you know, it's a work in progress. It's a six month season. It's two months of playoffs. Got a long, long way to go, but um, you know, it seems like some of the best case scenarios is if there's just no events on those uh, second and third and fourth lines. If the, those third and fourth lines can keep other teams off the board, then the Steel or excuse me, then the Penguins can kind of win with those their first line, first two lines against other teams' first two lines. Um, but we'll have to see if that's how things play out. Paul, any final thoughts before we wrap up here? No, we're doing good, man. I, I think we we covered it all. You know, I'm just uh, like I said, I I, ho- I really hope we should get to see the Phillies against the Rangers because that would be like a beer league softball, I think, 12 to 11 games. Yeah, I think at this point that that's, that's the matchup you want to see. These are the teams that have been the best in the postseason, and, and I want to see them play each other. Um, although I'm sure a lot of Pirates fans don't want to hear that because that involves wanting to see a Philly team um, in a championship series. But, hey, we want good TV here. We love good TV on this show. <laughs> So, Paul, uh, thanks for stopping by with me. Everyone, stay tuned. Later today, we are going to have Christian Veyu, Pitt's starting quarterback. Veyer, I'll let him decide. He is going to be on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel on the In the Trenches podcast with Jay Cradle, Gavin Bartholomew, and our own Noah Hiles. So make sure you're subscribed. Tune in for that. Also, Christopher Carter will be back with North Shore Drive, Drive episodes Friday and Saturday, getting you ready for Steelers-Rams. Um, and we'll, I'll talk to you again next week with Paul and possibly after the Penn State Ohio State game this Saturday in Columbus. So make sure you're subscribed and, and we'll, uh, we'll check in with you again, again soon. All right. We'll see you. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post Gazette.